This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Kate Hewitt is the CMO of Bombas, which she says has two main identifiers. The two main pillars that we've been focused on really steadily over the last six years are comfort and mission. The best for us is when someone puts our socks on their feet and they say, wow, these really are the most comfortable socks that I have ever put on. And I can feel great about wearing them because an item has been donated to somebody in need. That second pillar of being mission-driven is rooted in the idea that brands can make a difference through the products they sell, especially if the products are of high quality. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Kate discusses what it means to be mission-driven and why your products need to be your guiding light. Plus, Kate touches on the importance of your overall portfolio succeeding and why podcast marketing was right for Bombas. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Kate, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I am super excited to talk to you about Bombas because I wear them all the time and my fiance wears them all the time and they're by far and away the best socks that she's uh, she's ever owned. And uh, I hear it all the time. So uh, we love the company and we're excited to, to learn about that and your background. So how did you get started in marketing in the first place? Yeah. So when I first started my career, I actually was not in marketing. I started in finance and um, did two different jobs in finance. And the second one, I was actually covering consumer retail and healthcare companies. So places like Walmart, Target, McDonald's, Starbucks were my clients and was always really interested in sort of how they talked about operating their businesses and thought it would be fun to move to the operating side. And so in 2010, I took the leap um, to a tiny, tiny startup that had enough money to do some paid marketing, but not enough money to hire someone who really knew what they were doing. But because I had that analytical skill set from finance, you know, the founders thought I was the best person of the handful of non-engineers in the company to take over performance marketing. And so over the course of the four years that I was with that company, I grew you know, the marketing budget pretty meaningfully. Um, we were really focused on growing you know, at, at a certain ROI and grew from you know, basically just search ads to a true multi-channel marketing team, you know, small team, about four or five people by the time I left. And then once I was in, I just really loved the combination of being analytical and being able to really think through customer psychology. So flash forward to today, tell me about what it means to be CMO of Bombas. Yeah. So it's, it's actually structured a little bit differently than it is at a lot of more consumer-driven brands. It's a little bit probably more in line with a head of growth role. Sure. Two of our co-founders have a really strong background in brand and creative. And so the brand and creative piece actually doesn't live under me. But what I am responsible for is acquisition marketing. So all of our paid ad spend, retention marketing. So everything we're doing to increase business from repeat customers and engage our existing loyal customer base, as well as our digital product team. So the the site experience itself. Um, and then the teams that oversee our data and analytics function for the entire company, as well as the customer insights 
function for the entire company. So it's a really fun role because it allows me to think much more holistically across the customer journey. So obviously, Bombas is you know, a social enterprise in the sense that you have a really cool mission, you have a really cool purpose. It is one of the things that uh, you know we love about buying the socks. And by the way, I should I should clarify the reason why I say that Bombas is not my number one sock in the world is not because it's you're not tied neck and neck. It's the fact that right now it's just so hot outside that my uh, my Bombas socks are just a little too hot, so I'm not wearing socks at all. But uh, you know, great for hiking, great for. Uh, great for, you know, any type of sport or athletic stuff, or just great for every day. I'm just a huge fan. Uh, but also the social component to it is really cool. So like, can you talk about what does it mean to market that type of, you know, that philanthropic model as well? Yeah. So first of all, if it's too hot for our thicker socks, we do sell lightweight no-shows that are our thinnest smallest sock and, and can work even in uh, even in high heat. Okay. Well, uh, okay. All right. I'll check them out. Okay. Noted. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of marketing around the mission, I mean, mission is absolutely core to who we are. And it's actually one of the biggest reasons that I joined the company. I'd been a huge fan of Patagonia for a long time and really respected and admired the way that they sort of built their company around a really specific social purpose. And that was something that I sort of always aspired to be able to do. And I would say it's not just, we don't, you know, exclusively market around the mission. We really live our mission. So from, you know, I was the second employee at Bombas and from, from really early on, like, I mean, when we were smaller, the entire company would, you know, head down from our office to the Bowery mission and take a few hours to serve soup and hand out socks. And for a really small company to do that is a pretty big statement. We didn't just like ship the socks off to people and then not not ever see where they went. We really engaged with the community as a team from day one and also really engaged with our giving partners around the design of our donation products. So it's something that we re- that's really threaded through the entire ethos of the company and everything we do. And so in turn, you know, when we think about talking about that externally to customers or potential customers, you know, it's really just sharing part of our origin story. So Bombas was founded uh, because the founders saw that socks were the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters. And it was around the time Tom's was big. And so they thought, you know, if that one for one model can work for shoes, maybe that can also work for socks. And so, you know, for our entire existence, for every item purchased, especially designed item is donated to the homeless community. And we've donated more than 35 million items um, since we got started. And we have more than 3,500 giving partners across the entire country. Well, and it's a huge logistical challenge too, right? I mean, it's not just like, I mean, you know, to, to say something like not to be, um, you know, not to be, you know, to, to be, I guess, flippant about it, but it's like to say, well, if we had just donated that same amount of money versus actually, you know, going through the effort of doing the work, like it's, it's the harder thing to do, right? Is to actually, uh, is to actually find a home for those socks. Yeah. But we, I mean, it's also though, so it's a, it's a small team of people that manages that, that part of our organization. Um, so we have a small team of people that's focused just on distributing product to, to our giving partners and maintaining communication with giving partners. But honestly, we get so much from those relationships and we learn so much about the community 
that we serve through our partners and through that direct volunteering that I mentioned. Well, and so since you started at such an early time in the company, obviously you've seen the marketing, uh, you know, change a ton. You've seen the different channels and strategies and things. Mm-hmm. But like, what's the scope of where Bombas is at right now in terms of in terms of like market reach and and like scope and scale of the organization? Yeah. Um, so we're we're coming up on 150 employees or so. So up from two, you know, when I started about six years ago. Um, so pretty pretty significant employee growth in terms of marketing, um, at least on the paid side. I like to joke that we added a channel a year and a person a year to the performance marketing team. We were incredibly focused with how we rolled out marketing channels. So it wasn't quite a channel a year, but we really, as a small team with a really small, I mean, initially it was just me. I was literally in, you know, the Facebook ads interface and the Google ads interface personally for quite some time at the beginning, but we had a pretty limited budget. We were really committed to growing profitably. And so when you have that situation, we really had the, you know, question number one was, can we advertise profitably, period, right? And then question two was, okay, where are the best places where we're going to have a shot at doing that? And then we sort of systematically identified those places and worked through them, but we would sort of prove one out before moving on to the next, because especially as a really small bootstrapped company, one of the easiest things to do is to lose focus and to try to do too many things. And then you're not really sure which, which thing worked. And also you're not really able to invest your best in what you're focused on. So that approach, you know, over time now has really gotten us to a true, you know, multi-channel marketing approach. The performance marketing team specifically is six people, um, a number of sort of dedicated channel managers. And then we've we've built out a data and analytics team. And one of the things that that team has really supported on is understanding uh, attribution. Yeah. So can you go in a little bit further on that then? Like what what types of new data channels are you tapping into? How have your data sources increased? Like, you know, this is one of the things that obviously every marketer is trying to trying to figure out. Uh, and especially now it's getting increasingly complex. Yeah. So we, we've been pretty focused about adding different data sources to the mix as we have them. We, we generally are using uh, first-party data, so we've not historically bought much third-party data and leveraged that in our marketing. But we do obviously collect data from a, a large number of different sources, depending on the partner that might be an off-the-shelf integration or a custom integration. But something that we uh, added recently into our mix um, was a customer data platform. Uh, to help us, I guess, really, really better leverage the data that we were already collecting. And that's been a really helpful tool for the team. Yeah. In the, um, in the Salesforce report that came out, you know, something like the, in 2019, the median number of data sources used by marketers was eight. And now it's, you know, projected to be like 12, which you're talking, I mean, it's like levels of complexity higher. Yeah. How do you kind of take that stuff and make actionable insights? Like, how does that how does that shape your spend? So, a couple of different things. So, we look at each channel on a standalone basis. So, we try to understand this channel by itself. How is it looking week over week, year over year, month over month? What are the key trends that we're seeing inside of this channel? But the other thing that we've done a lot from day one, because I've seen this, I've seen this uh, be something that people forget to look at, is really pay attention to what the overall portfolio performances. So, you know, 
it doesn't matter if every channel thinks they're doing really, really well. If the overall return on ad spend is poor, obviously something is wrong somewhere. And so we've, we've been really focused on making sure that the overall portfolio performs best. And it's really clear to everyone at the channel manager level that you know, improving our understanding of the attribution of that channel is part of the job for that channel manager. But we really want to make sure that it's not a an environment where, you know, we have a hundred, let's say we have a hundred conversions and everyone's like fighting tooth and nail to divvy up those hundred conversions. We'd rather have the team as a whole really focused on, okay, how do we grow those hundred conversions to 200, 500, 1,000? So that's sort of philosophically how we approach it. And then obviously on the, the data and analytics side, we've built out, we built out a multi-touch attribution system and we're, we're starting to get into the world of media mix modeling as well. Um, but we're a bit too early there to, to talk much about it beyond that. Switching gears a little bit towards more of the product side of things. Mm-hmm. Let's say there was somebody out there who maybe knew about Bombas, you know, a little bit, um, but had never tried the socks before. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody like our producer Hillary, who maybe needs maybe needs some pairs because she doesn't know what she's missing out on. How do you go about like you know your all's persona um, and figuring out how to craft the right message? Because for something like I know for me when we were first trying them, mm-hmm. it was kind of the moment of your life where you're like, I'm just so sick of these like crappy socks that you've yeah. had for years and years and years. And I know for for my fiance, it was something where we were just, I was like, you need actual socks that like wick moisture away. And like, we're going like camping and doing all this crazy stuff. But I think for a lot of people, they're like, they just don't want to either like spend the money to get a, a pair of nice socks or a couple pairs of nice socks. And I'm just curious, like, what do you think about for messaging? Yeah. So the, the two main pillars that we've been focused on, you know, pr- really steadily over the last six years are comfort and mission. And so I think for most people, you know, socks are more of a functional item than a comfort item. And so reframing it to, you know, socks can be one of the most comfortable things that you wear, I think is already sort of gets to that shift that you're thinking about. And then the mission, you know, is something that differentiates us and that people, that people remember. And so I think those, those two things have been really both quite important. And when we, when we talk to our existing customers about why they came to us and what compelled them to give us a try. Those are the two things that they, they're the two things we talk about the most, but it's, it's still reassuring to see them reflected. And that's the most likely reason that people come to us. Predominantly our customer base is um, people that are coming to Bombas from lower quality products um, versus people who are switching from other, you know, more, more premium brands. Although obviously we do have, we do have a bunch of both, but you know, the best, for us is when someone puts our socks on their feet and they say, wow, these really are the most comfortable socks that I have ever put on. And I can feel great about wearing them uh, because an item has been donated, you know, to somebody in need. Well, you, so, I mean, I, I, I spent a decade in the army and so, you know, obviously socks at a, at, at a premium, uh, yeah. you know, when you're doing that sort of stuff, uh, no, no bombas uh, around when, when I was in the military, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, in, in my experience, it was my sister, who's like an avid hiker and all that sort of stuff, got, she's like, these are great and got them for, for Becky. I was like, you should, you should try these out uh, and check them out. And I think got one for me too, for like Christmas a couple of years ago. But the thing that's so crazy for me is like, you have this, as soon as you find something, it was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to go on and I'm just going to buy her 10 pairs because it's like, 
she's like, these are the best socks ever. So I'm just going to go buy. I, I'm like curious how many of those types of users you have that are like, oh, now I'm never going back. You know, like I'm never going to, I'm never going to have bad socks again. Yeah. So, so first of all, we actually do a ton of work with veterans. Homelessness, obviously, as I'm, sh- as I'm sure you're aware, is a huge issue in the veteran community. And so we do a lot of work distributing our donation socks to homeless veterans. But in, in terms of the product question, yeah, I mean, we, we hear so often, you know, Bombas have ruined, you know, have ruined other socks for me. I've had to change over my whole drawer or, you know, I've started doing laundry more often because I just, I can't wear the other socks. And so I just do laundry more yeah. often so I can wear them more often. That's what we were doing. It, yeah. That's what we, it was yeah. like, I had two pairs of hiking socks and then it was like, it's like you use them both. And it's like, if you go on a hike on a Friday and Saturday, Sunday, then you're out of luck. Yeah. You know, you got to do laundry. It's tough. Yeah. You just got to have more Bombas is the, is the solution. I know. It's, I, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. But so, you know, as a marketer though, obviously this is something that like, I love when marketing has the opportunity to get into that moment where it's like a shift of lifestyle or a shift of behavior mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of a, maybe you are making a little bit more money or whatever it is. And then it like is the perfect place for uh, I wouldn't say that you are, are a premium product. I don't know what you would say, but basically, you know, a quality product yes. that is like much better than the, you know, the garbage that, you know, you were used to wearing. Yeah. But like that mindset shift, like how do you get people to understand that versus like just the display ad, which is like, you know, very much not explaining that shift? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. And actually display probably unsurprisingly has been one of our, um, has been less of a focus for us. So, you know, we we did try to prioritize, especially early on, but even still today, we love ad formats where we're able to tell a bit more of our overall brand story and also explain a bit more about why the product is genuinely better than anything else you've, you've put on your feet. Um, and so, you know, several years ago, Facebook video was absolutely massive for us. Um, over time, TV, um, OTT, and audio actually have all been really helpful because they're places that allow us to tell much more of that story. Yeah. So I, I want to talk podcast advertising for a sec. Obviously, you know, we, we love it mm-hmm. um, yes. here on Marketing Trends, but um, you all started really early yeah. in terms of your, your company uh, growth into podcasts, yeah. but it's a notoriously hard thing to track especially starting off. So how did you do that? Yeah. So we, we started really early and we started early because of what I just mentioned. We felt like if we were able to get our product into the hands of podcast hosts and they actually experienced it, we felt like that, that their enthusiasm and excitement about the product would really carry through for their audiences and, and podcast audiences, especially at the time, although I think this is still true, tend to be really loyal. Um, and so there's an enormous amount of trust between the host and the audience. And so we we really tried to work with hosts where we felt like they had a really genuine connection to the products that they were advertising and where we felt like that came across in the read. And so that was that was really why we did it early. We were pretty active in the space for a while. Then we pulled back for a bit as it started to get more popular and prices really started to, to change. And it was harder. It was in the stage where we were scaling significantly more. And so it actually did become harder to track. Whereas at the beginning, you know, we were spending we weren't spending so much in total. And so podcasts were much easier to see the impact of. But then as we started really scaling our marketing budget and it became more complex, it got harder. 
and then over, you know, now, now we're sort of in a true multi-touch world. Um, and so we're looking at, how did you hear about us surveys? We're looking at coupon code usage, but it, it continues to be a, a pretty important part of our overall marketing mix. Well, and, you know, one of the things that's fascinating to me about the you know, podcast ecosystem right now is you have these like super players, right? You have like, you know, New York Times Daily, Rogan, yeah. you know, pardon my take, you know, Bill Simmons and, and whatnot. These huge shows uh, that are like everyday shows or, you know, three times a week usually or, or daily or whatever it is that have these like unbelievably massive distribution channels and now are extremely expensive because of, you know, yeah. because of those things and price out a lot of people. Yeah. And then you have, you know, these like almost like tiers of different types of advertisers. And one of the things that you mentioned, you know, when we were talking before the, before the interview is how you don't want your like, what you personally follow or like in terms of a podcast to be how you advertise, right? It's you're like, oh, I love, you know, whatever whatever, New York Times Daily, it's like, that can't be the only channel that you go after because there's obviously lots of, yeah. you know, Bombas customers that are, that are, that don't listen to that show, for example. So how, yeah, how do you think about like the tiers of, of advertising for that? It's a really good question. So it's, it's actually evolved a lot over time. So we're, we're just constantly reevaluating, you know, given where pricing is in the market and given sort of what's happening with the rest of our marketing channels. What should the mix be between, you know, sort of those really uh, huge audience shows versus smaller shows? Um, and, you know, depending on a number of different factors, at times we've skewed, you know, more heavily to the bigger shows. At times we've skewed really heavily to really small podcasts. And so it's something we, we do um, move around on pretty consistently. Well, and because I was thinking, you know, that you all don't aren't the type of company who would have like a ton of new product releases. Yeah. But I didn't realize that you had light lightweight socks. So, you know, yeah. apparently I wasn't keeping up with the Jones as much as I could have. But that's like the perfect example where, you know, we have, again, like probably 15 pairs in our family. But I don't, you know, I'm not in tune with the brand every day. I don't think I'm like a newsletter subscriber. I'm kind of like, okay, the wardrobe's set. And, you know, if when these, you know, wear out, then we'll get a new ones, sort of a thing. Yeah. So, how do you get things like, you know, new product releases or, or is that where you, you would maybe use some of the, the bigger channels and, and pay, pay up for that? Yeah. So generally speaking, for, for acquisition, we tend to have broader, a broader approach. So we tend to highlight an acquisition products that we think, you know, most people will have a great use case for. And then we reserve the more targeted marketing or more product specific things like, for example, our tennis sock or our golf sock for retention and also for sort of more targeted marketing approaches with the specific communities that we think those, those products will resonate with. Um, and so even though, you know, last summer we did a, a huge campaign around no-shows as a general category for us, we wouldn't necessarily have highlighted lightweight no-shows in much more detail than that. We sort of rely on the the broader no-show marketing to get people to the site. And then from there for them to to look at the different no-show options, for example. Interesting. Yeah, that's super fascinating. You obviously have a ton more products than you used to have. Yes. Than when you started out. Yeah. Which makes me think, I wonder how, how many, because we bought these a number of years ago. So I'm like, I wonder if I get some originals here. But uh, as the number of products change, as the amount of complexity changes, you know, 
how are you looking at like brand building type activities versus the more attribution based activities? Uh, so it's a really good question. I would say um, I mentioned earlier that in the founders, there's a really strong DNA of brand and creative. And as a sort of pure performance marketer at the time, that was something that really drove me to the or pulled me to the company. Um, I really wanted the opportunity to be exposed to to brand thinking. And so actually from from pretty early on, we've had a really good tension, I would say, between performance and brand, such that, you know, with a few exceptions, you know, the sort of sneak <laughs> sneak out occasionally, you know, the the performance assets that we're putting out into the world to market behind have a pretty strong brand element to them. Because we we just we didn't want to have such a clear divide between performance and brand. And because we knew we were committed, you know, from very, very early on to building profitably, we knew that every dollar that we put out, you know, not only needed to bring in customers, but also really needed to build our brand. And so the the sort of dedicated brand only marketing um, is something that we've really not, you know, done a ton of yet. Um, we really try to thread our brand story through everything that we do and really let customers experience our brand, you know, as much as possible through every step of their journey. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, that's a great way of looking at it. That every piece is is about brand. Are there any channels that you have been using lately that are particularly like interesting? We've really started to do more with Snapchat over the last few months, which has been really fun. It's, you know, a little bit of a different creative approach. It's a slightly, uh, you know, different demographic. So that's been quite fun. I'm pretty excited about, we're doing some testing and streaming audio at the moment, which is, a space, you know, we, we talked earlier about how interesting I think audio is generally. Um, and then I continue to be really impressed actually with um, what's rolling out in the, in Google's universe. So I would say over the last year, it seems like they've really invested a lot in building out just a ton of new ways to reach customers. Do you have any favorite campaigns that you've ran over the years? Yeah. So my favorite like broader campaign that we did is we did something called the laundry back guarantee, which was, so we have in general, a hundred percent happiness guarantee, which means if we send you a product and for whatever reason you don't like it, it doesn't fit, you know, et cetera, we will, we'll make it right. Whether that's a return, whether that's an exchange, whether that's, you know, store credit, whether that's, you know, we'll, we'll really, our customer happiness team is really dedicated. And so we always have this happiness guarantee, but we were thinking one of the things that we always hear, obviously, um, Jerry Seinfeld famously has a, has a joke about it is that people lose socks in the wash all the time. And so we, we did a, a TV spot around, if you lose a sock in the wash, we'll replace it. Um, and we called it the laundry back guarantee. Um, and it was just, it was really fun. It really hit on, you know, kind of a silly customer pain point. But one that, you know, is sort of immediately recognizable and, and got a good laugh out of people. And I think it was it was really fun because it hit on a core value prop of the brand, which is our customer happiness element, but also showcased um, sort of the fun, quirkier side of our brand that I think is also something that, you know, really draws people to us. Do you have any campaigns over the years that were maybe your biggest uh, learning uh, experiences or uh, maybe that didn't go so well? We did a, a TV spot with Dan Marino, and the the pun that we were working with was that Bombas makes the best damn Marino wool socks, but it sounds a lot when you say it quickly like Dan Marino. 
And so we we filmed, you know, what we thought was a great <laughs> spot. Dan Marino was in it. He was just great. Obviously, he's a, he's a pro. You know, and we put the spot out into the world and it just, it didn't resonate so much with customers. And it was, it sort of failed one of the basic marketing 101s, which this, you know, this is on on me. Um, but it didn't really explain the value prop. I mean, it, we kind of touched on why, but I think, you know, having Dan Marino in the spot, sort of, over, and like trying to force this pun through, I think just made it a little too confusing for customers. Um, and so it just, it didn't really perform to where we had hoped it might. So I think that's hilarious, but I'm, I am pretty familiar with Merino wool. Yeah. So I'd imagine if you didn't know what that is, yes, you would be like, what are they talking about? Yeah. But for anyone who's uh, the hardcore sock shoppers out there um, are like, oh yeah, they have, you know, better Merino wool than anybody else. That totally makes sense. Huh? That's fascinating. That's a good one. I like that. You know, actually, so similar story or similar question on that. So something like merino wool, which is, you know, a type of fabric that is like perhaps maybe in and of itself its own like right category, right? Like a, a marketing category that someone would be looking for merino wool socks specifically. And then you need to compete within that vertical rather than just searching for Bomba socks. But it's something that I feel like has come about in the last handful of years as, you know, you see it everywhere now and it didn't necessarily used to be. Yeah. How do you think about like those type of of trends, whether it's like, you know, certain types of like something like it, like, you know, you all have a sweatpants line now. So it's like competing with something like joggers, which are, you know, very popular in terms of, you know, very highly searched probably now as a search term or something. I'm just curious how you think about things like that. In terms of how we think about marketing behind trends, I, w- I would say for the most part, you know, we, we watch trends pretty closely, but it, we really try to have our own point of view around what we think makes sense for us as a brand. And we, we really only want to make best in class products. And so the reason, you know, that we're, we're in Merino as opposed to other types of wool is that we really think Merino allows us to give, you know, good value. And it, it's really high. It's a really high quality material, but also not, you know, it's, it's more expensive than our cotton socks, but, you know, within the, you know, versus something like cashmere, you know, Merino is just kind of a better fit for our core customer. Obviously it's really helpful <laughs> having had uh, other companies out there talking loudly about Merino because it means we have less educating to do, but, you know, we talked at the beginning of the podcast around our core pillars of comfort and mission. So when we talk about Merino, we really talk about it through those lenses as opposed to through a lens of this is, you know, this is a trend that everyone's into and we're, we're sort of piggybacking on that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I think that that's part of, um, yeah, that, that we always talk about, you know, that first mover uh, disadvantage of having to inform the market of something of why, you know, why it is, but now you see it everywhere. You know, I feel like, yeah. and you just, you didn't, you see that. So what are some of the trends that you're following uh, or that you're excited about from, from a marketing perspective uh, going forward? Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested in changing uh, behaviors around audio consumption, both on the music side and the, you know, on the spoken word side, whether that's podcast or things like Audible. I just think there's a ton of innovation 
happening there and also really pretty material shifts in customer behavior that I think are pretty interesting. I continue to be fascinated both personally and professionally by TikTok. And I'm very, you know, very curious how a lot of the, um, let's call it overhead, um, plays out, plays out there. And then I'm, I'm really quite curious how, about how consumer behavior will change or not, you know, in the wake of, uh, in the wake of everything related to COVID. Um, and then diversity and inclusion as it relates to marketing. So for diversity and inclusion, you know, I'd say in, in sort of online discussion, there's, you know, predominantly a focus on sort of hiring and executive representation. And while I think that is really, really important, something that we're really excited about is starting to improve our diversity and inclusion in, in our marketing, whether that's through the agencies that we're using, through the production um, agencies that we're using, as well as obviously through the teams we're assembling, the models we're using. So that's, that's something that we're really focused on and that I'm excited for to see how, how that trend evolves over the next you know, several months or years. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what, what changes did you all have to make? What were you all trying to figure out from a response perspective once the pandemic hit? Um, so I think one of the big things was that we talked much more about our mission than we had in the past. Um, so we, we really saw a desire from our customers, um, a, you know, a desire to help in their local communities. And so we've, we've always done things like highlight our giving partners and, and talk about our mission, but we, you know, we increased the frequency with which we were doing that. And we saw that our, our customers really responded to that information. And we saw like the open rates um, and the click-through rates on those emails were really, really high, which was kind of an amazing thing to see because obviously we talk about mission and I talked about how important it is in sort of the day-to-day life and operating aspect of the company, but to see it you know, in such a hard moment as something our customers also wanted to engage with more was was pretty incredible. So that was that was probably the biggest shift. Um, and then on sort of the more product side, we definitely saw a huge shift in the types of products that people were interested in. So you know, things that related to comfort while quarantining or working out at home, uh, we saw you know significantly more demand for whether that was our performance socks, our t-shirts, you know, things that people would wear just, you know, around the house. Well, and I think a lot of people are going on hikes and walks and trying to figure out a way to get out of the house now, mm-hmm. you know, in ways that they hadn't before, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing, the world's number one CRM that is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing. They've been with us since the first episode of Marketing Trends years ago at this point. So we love them. Check them out. Lightning round questions. Kate, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, do you have a favorite book or podcast that you've been binging recently? So I just finished the Broken Earth Trilogy by N.K. Jemison, who's a science fiction author. She's a black woman, really engrossing trilogy that also speaks a lot to um to social issues that are relevant sort of in the in the here and now i haven't heard of it i'll have to check it out sounds up my alley do you have a hobby or habit that you picked up during shelter in place so yes yoga which i had always thought i didn't like but started doing just 10 10 minutes a day every morning while my coffee is brewing and found that even though i'm working out significantly more in 
COVID that doing yoga every day has actually really helped prevent injuries. If you were not a marketer, what do you think you'd be doing? It's a great question. I honestly, I loved my time in finance, which I know is probably a super unpopular answer, but I really enjoyed working in the financial markets. What is your best advice for a first time CMO? That is a really good question. <laughs> um, I think it's probably to, to take a minute and reflect on slash talk to other CMOs about how big the difference is between being a functional leader and an executive leader. Um, it was a much bigger difference than I had anticipated. And it's been really, really fun to learn. And obviously, I'm still growing into it. I'm only uh, just less than two years in. But I think that that's something that I think is, is important to get a grasp on earlier. And I think leveraging mentors is probably critical in, in understanding that shift. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Well, one that, one that I love to ask in interviews, but rarely get asked myself is what are you curious about right now? Yeah. What are you curious about right now? Um, so I think the one of the big things is kind of, let's call it how we got to now. Um, so understanding what are the big systemic, you know, pieces of technology, infrastructure, sociology that really help understand, you know, why, why things look the way they do today. And that's everything from, you know, I read a super interesting book about sanitation, which sounds super boring, but was actually very interesting to, you know, a book like Stamped from the Beginning you know, about the history of racist ideas in America. So really trying to understand the big building blocks of, of why things look the way they do today in, in the U.S. Kate, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any, uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Obviously, everybody should check out Bombas. I've given <laughs> my love is well known, but uh, check them out. Buy a pair if you haven't already. Anything else? I'm curious what you never get asked that you wish people would ask you. Um... It's a great question. Uh, I should probably have a ready, a ready answer for this. <laughs> I think the thing that I never get asked is that um, how do you plan to embrace like the outdoors going forward? Because hmm. I think that we do so much stuff with screens now. Yeah. And like, it's going to be so much more important for like the next generation to do outdoor things. Yeah. And there's a lot of implication with the outdoors that like, we have to do a lot of things right to make sure that we can preserve the outdoors for future generations. And yeah. I just think there's a lot of kids out there that are going to go towards a lot of digital devices, which is great, which is a very good thing. But there also needs to be like very purposeful, like getting outdoors, being bored, mm -hmm. doing activities, making stuff up. Yeah. So, yeah. I like it. Thanks for the question, though. I'm a huge hiker myself as well, so I, I completely agree. Yeah, and it's funny. I mean, like, I don't the, I, I don't even, like, love hiking that much. Yeah, that's the funny thing. The running joke of my family is that like, <laughs> I don't even, like, I never really liked, like, I did it for a job. So, <laughs> it's been a lot of time. Yeah, I was going to say, that probably kills the joy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, it's a lot, a lot more comfortable when you can wear like really good shoes and, and, and good socks. I will say that, but yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, I just, I think, um, you know, it's like the antidote to the, to the screen is figuring out ways to, to do things that are, you know, outside. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, COVID, you know, places being outdoor, outdoor seating, outdoor, just like stuff that's outdoors is, is great. Mm -hmm. Better for our mental well-being too. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. 
Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.